the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. We begin with that breaking news, a terror attack at the airport in Istanbul, Turkey, a popular destination for American tourists. Authorities say three bombers wearing suicide vests approached security at the international terminal. Gunfire and explosions quickly followed. Dozens have been killed, scores injured. The scene so similar to that attack on the Brussels airport just three months ago. There you see the ambulances arriving after the blast. It was an immediate response from security forces. Chaos in the arrivals area. Some of the injured lying there at the side. One of the blasts brought down part of the ceiling where taxis were waiting. Injured have been rushed to the hospitals. The death toll expected to climb. ABC's chief foreign correspondent Terry Moran has the latest from London. Tonight, devastation and chaos at one of the world's busiest airports. Officials say three attackers were detected by police while entering the airport. Armed with assault weapons, they stormed the entrance, at least one opening fire. Then the attackers detonating three bombs. Shattered doors show the power of the blasts. Bodies littered the ground. A shaken witness speaking minutes after the attack. A lot of people attacking. I didn't see, but I heard that one bomb, I think it's arrival area. I think it's two. It's departure area. Mm-hmm. There is two bombs, I think I heard that. Panic ensued inside the airport. Sit down. Terrified passengers crouch down, taking cover in a store. Others run for their lives. Turkish officials confirming more than two dozen dead, at least 60 injured. The wounded scattered on the ground. Dozens of ambulances rushed to the scene. This man was at the airport and now is desperate to find his brother. We are going to get the package on the car and uh, he was inside. My brother was inside to take a cement from inside and he is coming and the explosion happened. My brother, he is not very, not very good. And I can't see him now. I want to see him. I don't, I don't know what to do. The Ataturk Airport, the world's 10th largest, filled with international travelers every day, including many Americans. The U.S. consulate tonight tweeting out to visiting Americans, if in Turkey, contact family and friends and check in on social media to let them know you are safe. And just yesterday, the State Department issued an updated travel warning for Turkey, advising Americans that U.S. and other tourists have been explicitly targeted by international and local terrorist groups. The threats is explicitly targeting aviation services. And, and Terry, that's also because ter- Istanbul has become such a target for terrorists this year. It really has, George. This is the fourth terrorist attack in Istanbul this year. The Syrian civil war right next door to Turkey causing turmoil in the country. There are also internal conflicts in that country. But until recently, Turkey was an island of stability and peace in that region. But, George, all that has changed. Not anymore. Okay, Tara Moran, thanks very much. Well, um, 
If you are joining us, uh, you're listening to um, Let Us Reason. So I want to welcome you to this uh, special show uh, on this Saturday. And as you've heard the intro video, obviously, we are going to talk about the uh, most recent terror attack that took place at the international airport in Turkey. And um, the reason why I wanted to kind of address this issue is to discuss something that has been um, very, very uh, obvious uh, just uh, in the last two weeks alone. Uh, There has been a number of Islamic terrorist attacks that took place during the month of Ramadan. And by the way, I'm a former Muslim, so when I grew up back home in Saudi, I've always uh, been taught and uh, I always believed, and also the Quran does make a mention that uh, the Ramadan is a holy month to the Muslim people, and uh, technically speaking, uh, uh, there should be no attacks or violent in that month. But what we're witnessing uh, lately is something that is absolutely unprecedented in terms of the fact that terrorists, Islamic terrorists, the Islamic State, uh, al-Shabaab, uh, or lone wolves, as uh, we like to call them, uh, all of those uh, have been launching attacks, whether we're talking the Orlando attack, whether we're talking al-Shabaab attack in Somalia, uh, in the capital uh, recently, or this particular one that took place just uh, this week in Turkey, and another one also just earlier this month also in Turkey. All of this indicate uh, to us that there is a shift in uh, in terms of the interpretation and the thinking of the religious authority who support such attacks from among the ranks of those terrorists. What I'm trying to say is this. The religious authority who are the engine behind uh, all of these attacks, who give these terrorists the justification that you are going to go straight to heaven, that you will enter paradise, that your sins will be forgiven, that God will accept you, that you're going to get your rewards, uh, the 72 virgins and the list can go on and on and on, are actually considering the month of Ramadan to be no different than any other month. So this is, in and of itself, is definitely theologically uh, going to be confusing to a variety of Muslims uh, because they're taught, like I said, all their life that uh, Ramadan is one of those holy months where peace at least ought to be observed, especially in a month like this. No doubt it is a sacred month. A lot of Muslims look forward to it uh, year in and year out. But this tells me also, uh, as a former Muslim, someone who was going to become a jihadi, I was fascinated by this idea of fighting for God and dying for God. I can tell you that radical Muslims who are entrenched into those kind of commands that are found in the primary sources of Islam, be it the Quran, the direct word of uh, God, Allah, or the Hadith, the teachings or the tradition of the Prophet, um, you begin to see something interesting in there, that those actually sources can, one way or another, overlook the emphasis on um, observing peace Uh, during months like this, and actually promote the idea of fighting and killing. In other words, if you look at the majority uh, of the teachings on violence in the Quran and in the Hadith, 
you find probably a large number, and I won't be exaggerating if I say more than 80, probably approaching 90% of those that put emphasis on the act itself, generically speaking, without any exceptions. There is no exception clause in there telling you uh, about, in those, the majority ones, I should say, the majority section doesn't have an exception clause. But then you have a minority mention that in Ramadan you ought to observe uh, peace and things like that. And and that leaves it basically subject to interpretation. And it's left up to man this way. Uh, in this case, we're talking about the Muslim clerk to decide if those exceptions apply or don't apply. And also they find all kind of justifications. I mean, they will say, well, the exception would have applied if uh, the Muslim world is not under attack. So in the eye of ISIS and al-Shabaab, and Al-Qaeda, and the likes, the Muslim Ummah community is under attack. You ask, well, who is it that is attacking the Muslim community right now? Well, they have all kind of things to give you. They can say the coalition forces are bombing us. That's an attack. They can say you have foreign troops on our land. That's an attack. Uh, you can say that our governments who call themselves Islamic are corrupt and westernized. That's also an attack against our freedom to express our religion and denying us our rights to basically live under our own Sharia. Or if we're living in the West, we are denied our basic rights of expressing ourselves under Sharia law. So, so they can find a justification. That's how they look at it under attack. Then you look and say, well, this is Ramadan. Uh, why would you fight uh, in this, uh, in a month like this, and they come back and will say, well, it's peace only to the Muslims. The Muslims are to be living in peace, but we're not fighting Muslims, we're fighting hypocrites. Because in Turkey alone, uh, the majority so far of nationalities that have died actually uh, come from uh, Muslim uh, nations. In fact, uh, uh, just a report I looked at today in Arab News indicate that uh, most of the injured actually uh, uh, and the dead they came from Saudi. Uh, so that's not only a Muslim country, but the Saudi considers itself to be the model for ancient Islam. In other words, if you want to know how Islam was like in the 7th century, um, you know, look no further than Saudi Arabia. They implement every single teachings of the Prophet to the letter. I live there. I know it. Many of my family members still there. Many of my friends still there. Many uh, students from Saudi who are studying here will tell you the same thing, that Saudi is the model for Islam. Saudi is the model for original Islam. So, yet it's baffling to see that ISIS and uh, others are even attacking Muslims in general and even Muslims from Saudi. So, what does that tell us? And that will be uh, the thing or the topic that I want to focus on today. I'm not here to talk politics you know, God is in control. Uh, I'm a believer in Christ. Uh, I surrender my life to him. He is the Prince of Peace. I get my peace for him. With that says, my question now to you, if you are a Muslim person listening to this, or if you are a believer listening to this show, I encourage you to share this with your Muslim friend, and hopefully you do have a lot of them, especially if you are uh, um, engaged uh, among their community, and I hope that you've been praying for them, especially this month, where they are more spiritually prone to listen uh, to uh, arguments and uh, um, uh, basically uh, invitations to the gospel and, and biblical truth, uh, probably more so than in other uh, time during the year, simply because they are willing to uh, do whatever it takes to show 
basically they're obedient to God. Nevertheless, uh, my question to you, my Muslim friends, is this. Where do you get your peace from? If even the month that is considered to be the most sacred month in the Islamic calendar is no longer peaceful, where do you get your peace from? And that's really the fundamental question I want to ask you. Now, some of you might come back and say, well, these people that are committing this act are actually perverting Islam and hijacking its teaching. Well, I ask you to think twice before you say this. Because Islam, within its pages, has supporting evidence that commands for violent are open-ended, are there, and are readily available for anyone to use. Examples. Chapter 2, verses 190 to 193, a, a verse that I used over and over and over again multiple times on my show. Here's what it said. Fight in the cause of God those who fight you and slay them wherever you find them or you catch them and fight them until there is no more rebellious or oppression and there prevail justice and faith in God. In other words, until Islam becomes the dominant religion. Where in this that I just read, chapter 2, towards the end of the life of the Prophet of Islam in the second part of his ministry in Medina, meaning that those kind of teachings haven't been canceled or abrogated, if we want to use that argument. Nevertheless, where in this passage that I said the word peace is ever mentioned, or at least promoting peace? Same chapter, chapter 2, verse 216. Fighting is prescribed for you. Notice, it's a prescription that is a duty for all, and as Sharia law courts or judge, uh, judges or justices will say, it is prescribed for every able male Muslim. Fard ayn, that's the word that is used. And uh, therefore, um, it is prescribed to those who are capable of going and fighting. Uh, I don't know if you follow news uh, in the Middle East and especially in Saudi. I do. That's pretty much uh, that's my country. I like to know what's going on over there. And I, I'm in the media all the time. I need to uh, be aware of what's happening on a daily basis. And one of the things that were very disturbing to me, even disturbing to the people in Saudi, is that a twin brothers killed their mother because she prevented them from joining ISIS to fight. Now, listen to what I just said. Twin brothers, they're probably 19, maybe 20. They killed their mother, and they ambushed her, really. And then they stabbed their father and the other brother, all because they deny them their right to fight for God. Um, what kind of religion is this? Let's ask ourselves this question that teaches stuff like this. Now, you tell me, well, uh, that's not what Islam teaches. It is maybe a perverted, a perverted, um, a perverted I should say, clerk that taught him to do this. Think twice, because in chapter 9 of the Quran, it does teach about fighting even your own family. You see, what I'm trying to tell you is this. Where do you get your peace from if the very pages of the religion that you follow promote such violent and at best, at best case scenario, even if you want to tell me there are two cams the camp that want to follow these violent command and think that they apply to them today, and the camp that dislike those kind of teachings as if they are commands and want to call them historical versus 
empirical, basically. If we want to look at those two camps, what does that tell you about the religion itself? Doesn't that tell you that there is confusion from within the religion itself? Our Lord Jesus Christ says that a, uh, a community or a kingdom divided among itself will not stand. If, if a community is divided, how can you claim then that this is from God? God is not the God of confusion. He's not the author of confusion. He is the God of peace. That's the kind of God that I want to introduce to you. He is the God that basically teaches things like this in 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. This is the God that I follow. In Philippians 4, 6, this is what the Bible teaches. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is the God that I worship. In John 16, this is what the Lord of Peace, the Prince of Peace, told us. This is what he says. He said to us, I have said these things to you that in me, in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Is the Lord lying? He just told us. This world that we're living in, there will always be problems, tribulation, troubles, evil things, wickedness. But in Christ and in Christ alone, you will have your peace. You won't have your peace your way. You won't have your peace if you depend on a man. You won't have your peace if you depend on a religion and religious authority. You will have your peace depending on the Lord himself, the Lord of the universe, the King of kings, and Lord of lords, the Prince of Peace himself. This is why I'm asking you this fundamental question. Where do you get your peace from? Who do you turn to to ask for peace? Once again, I'll go back again to this idea that Islam actually promotes peace. Well, let me help you and see for yourself here if Islam does even promote the idea of unity among its own. In other words, does Islam actually consider all members of the Islamic community to be equal, to be at the same level, at an equal par? Or does it distinguish between them. You see, the Bible teaches that God is not a respecter of man. The Quran is quite the opposite, actually. I'll give you an example. Chapter 49 of the Quran, verse 10. The believers are but a single brotherhood. That's cool. You look at it and say, fine. That right there, you just told me that all the believers, the Muslims in this case, are part of one community called the brotherhood. But here's a problem. Um, you begin to look at what does Islam teach? And Islam actually does not promote the idea that all Muslims are equal. In fact, 
some of the Muslims at the time when these verses were revealed were called hypocrite, considered to be unbelievers because they were not willing to do the things that were asked of them. And therefore, they are not considered to be as equal as believers. Now, does, uh, uh, for instance, uh, Islam uh, teaches um, uh, peace? Well, um, let's look at an example of that. It says, the Quran, chapter 2, verse 208, All you who believe, speaking to the Muslims, okay, enter absolutely into submission. Now, why would Islam ask all believers, followers of Islam, to enter into submission unless some of them are not willing to submit? If you're not willing to submit, you're obviously considered to be a rebellious Muslim. And when you submit, what can you do? Well, whatever is asked of you, that includes fighting the unbelievers. That includes fighting your own and killing even your own, as these two young twins have done by killing their own mother, who is a Muslim, by the way. But, of course, according to their ideology and ISIS, their mother is a actually an apostate for denying them the right to go and fight for God. I mean, what kind of perversion is this? And I'm not talking about people perverting uh, the interpretation. I'm talking about teaching that is perverted. It tells you to go and fight your own, basically. Chapter 9 of the Quran, it teaches this. And also, in chapter 5 of the Quran, verse 32, it says, If anyone killed a person... It would be as if he killed the whole of mankind. But when you look at this particular passage, it is actually given in the context of speaking to Jewish people, reminding him of something that uh, basically relates to their own story. It has nothing to do with the Islamic community. So you cannot use this to apply to Islamic community. Okay? And also... Um, uh, we find passages like this, uh, uh, the Prophet of Islam uh, taught in the Quran, chapter 109, verse 6, to you be your religion and to me be mine. And you say, well, there you go. Islam actually uh, uh, tolerates uh, freedom of religion and tolerates of other minority uh, of faith. But when you look at this, you realize that this, this was revealed actually in the early stages of Islam when Muhammad, the Prophet of Islam, had no followers. Uh, he didn't have an army. And uh, therefore, he had no choice but to uh, always promote his faith and at the same time give people the choice whether they want to follow him or not. Later, things like this have been canceled by no other than a verse called uh, the, uh, the sword verse in chapter 9, verse 5. Okay? And therefore, uh, what I'm trying to say is this. We ought to examine the difference between what the Bible teaches and what the Quran teaches in matters of peace. In the traditions of the Prophet, the Prophet says this, whoever killed a mujahid, a person, basically uh, a mu'ahid, I'm sorry, uh, a person who was under uh, the uh, pledge of protections by Muslims shall not smell the fragments of paradise. Okay? It means that basically the life of the non-Muslim is protected as long as they accepted the dimitude, the subjugation, and the third or fourth or fifth class citizen situation or status under Islamic rule. 
Um, but anyone who wants to live independent of that, of course, then they're not going to be called mu'ahid, meaning a covenant bearer. He will be called a rebellious non-believer, an infidel, and his blood is basically free for all. Is this a religion that promotes peace for all, or is this a religion that have conditions to dictate who could be saved and who could not be saved? Anywhere you look at it, does Islam promote peace? Is this the religion that you want to really follow with the hope that your life as a Muslim in the Muslim community is protected? We're not talking about non-Muslims here. I'm talking to you as Muslims. If you've been listening to us, you've been listening to Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al Fadi, and you can always, of course, uh, contact me by sending me an email at Sira Ministries, plural, Sira Ministries at gmail.com. You can listen to any of our shows on uh, soundcloud.com forward slash let us reason or let dash us dash reason. And if you can download the app for KPXQ 1360 or the app also for SoundCloud, either way, you can always access this show. Until we meet again next week, have a blessed day. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.